Good morning, everyone. I'm glad each one of you are here and watching on TV. A few announcements to make. Uh, first off, I want to say Happy Mother's Day. And like with so many holidays like this, I don't know if you realize it was um, actually founded by, uh, by Christians and, and some women who, whose mother was um, just a real mercenary as far as caring for the wounded uh, during the, the Civil War from um, West Virginia. And um, anyway, they ministered to uh, the wounded from both the North and the South. And they ended up having such a great reputation that the daughters wanted to honor their mother. And that's how Mother's Day started. And I think it's a wonderful holiday because, uh, I mean, you mothers have a hard job. And I appreciate each one of you. Also, I want to mention that Sunday, May 31st, we are going to have our first public service here at the church. And I can't wait to be able to look out and see all of you. It's going to be awesome. And um, also, even though we're going to be having public worship starting the 31st, we're still going to be carrying the service on the webcam for those that might be a little bit nervous or for those that don't even live around here and have gotten into the habit of watching our services. Uh, also, on June 7th, which will be our second service, our second public service, we're going to celebrate we're going to have a picnic, beautiful church picnic. I'm so excited about it because the thing is we really miss you guys a lot and we can't wait for all of us to be worshiping together. You know, and, and um, let's keep people in prayer. We, you know, probably all know people who have become ill during uh, this time and are dealing with uh, problems and, and God is more than, than able to touch people and to heal them. And even some people that used to be part of our fellowship, we want to keep them in prayer that the Lord would bring healing as well. And so let's go before the Lord. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for the fact that you hear and answer prayer. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us this morning, those of us sitting here and those of us that are watching, that we might hear and learn from you because your word is full of wisdom. Your word is direction for our life. And so, Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would use me to minister to these, your people, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's interesting, interesting I saw a post online in Facebook uh, that my nephew, uh, Adam, if he's watching, Eisenhart put on there, and I, I really thought it was great, and I, I wanted to read it to you, and here's what the post said. Um, we should not be afraid of people dying of coronavirus, but of people dying without Christ. really puts things into perspective. We see how um, paranoid and, and, and frightened people have become over the coronavirus, but really think about it. What about the people we know that don't know Jesus Christ? If they die without knowing Jesus Christ, you can't even compare it to the coronavirus, how awful it is. Because he who has Christ has life. He who does not have Christ does not have life. And so let's really be praying that we have just a passion during this time to share our faith with the lost. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 3 through 4, it says this. And it's related to the portion of Scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. 
for they drank of that spiritual rock, and in your Bible you'll see that's a capital R because it's referring to Jesus that followed them, and the rock was Christ. And so it really gives us some perspective as we're looking into this portion in Numbers. So now in Numbers chapter 20, and verses 1 through 13, Numbers 20, and we'll be beginning with verse 1 and reading through verse 13. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there, remember Moses' sister, and was buried there. Now, there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron, and the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died with, a, uh, with our brethren um, if only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord, why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we might um, and our animals uh, should die here? And it's interesting how many times they complain and the Lord brings either judgment and correction to them and they still turn around and complain again. We're going to find that this is the seventh time they complain. There's going to be one other time, the eighth time, and it's the last and because God is preparing them to go in and take the promised land. Verse 5, And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? Consider what they're saying. God delivered them. It was Almighty God, and they're calling where he delivered them to in their journey to the promised land. They call it an evil place. No wonder the Lord was angry with them. It is not a place of grain or figs, of vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus, you shall bring water uh, for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord. Now you might be wondering why the, he, it says he took the rod from before the Lord. Because remember there was a challenge of the other leaders of Israel saying why should Aaron be the one who's the high priest? Why can't we? We're all part of the tribe of Levi. And remember, each leader put their rod out from all 12 tribes, and the rod that budded, and Aaron's rod not only budded, but it, it, it actually brought forth blossoms, and it brought forth almonds. And then we know from Numbers 17 and verse 10, they were told to leave Aaron's rod in front of the tent of meetings so that the people would see, and it would be an example, that God had chosen Aaron. And so that's why it says they took the rod from before the Lord. Aaron didn't have the rod. It was in front of the tabernacle at that time. Verse 10, And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of the rock, out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, 
Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given you. This was the water of Meribah. And Meribah means rebellion in Hebrew. Because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. Now, this chapter, of course, begins with Miriam's death, and this chapter we will find ends with Aaron's death. But, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do is share a little bit with you about Miriam, because it's easy to remember Miriam as the one who, along with Aaron, rebelled against Moses and and uh, because of the Cushite woman he married, and other negative things. But we have to remember that this woman was also very used of God. Remember, in, in Exodus 15, 20 through 21, it was um, uh, Miriam who danced before the Lord. But even prior to that, when Moses was placed in the bulrushes by his, uh, by his mother, remember who it was that stood there to see what happened to him? Miriam. And when Pharaoh's daughter took Mary, uh, Moses out of the water, Moses means to draw out, took Moses out of the water, it was Miriam that went up to Pharaoh's daughter and said, I know an Israelite woman who can nurse the baby for you. And that was Moses' own mother. And so Miriam was a beautiful woman. And when they crossed over the Red Sea in Exodus 15, 20 through 21, listen to this. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. Then, and Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. And so that's the song we sing. We love to sing. And the point I'm getting at, it's so easy to see the negative in people. I mean, a person can be used of the Lord, and God can do wonderful things for them, and they do one thing wrong, and that's what people focus on. And so when I think of Miriam, I don't want to think of when she contended against um, uh, Moses with her brother Aaron. When I think of Miriam, I want to think of the little girl who, who really was responsible for Moses being brought up by Pharaoh's daughter. I think of the young woman who, when they crossed over the sea, she was singing and dancing before the Lord with the other young women. Actually, she wasn't a young woman at this point because we know Moses was uh, about 80, and she was older than Moses. So uh, I wish I had that kind of stamina in my 80s, you know? But anyway, she really loved the Lord. And I think that's a lesson for us. You know, we might all know people who... Uh, have been used of the Lord, and then they have a little fall, they have a little problem, and it's so easy to just wa wash them off. No, because God remembers all the good that they've done, and so should we. And if they've repented, then we should love them as if nothing ever happened. Now, the Israelites are now completing their 40 years of wandering that God foretold they would have to do wander in the wilderness for 40 years because of their unbelief. And remember when they came um, to, actually it was Kadesh one other time, and they came there and they sent spies into the promised land and they came back. And, and it's interesting because we talked about this when we covered that portion. The spies came back and said, hey, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Look at the fruit that came from this land. This land is awesome. But there's giants in the land. And so we can't go in. And they convinced all the rest of the Israelites not to go in. Now Joshua and Caleb, who were 
two of the 12 spies that went in, of the 10 spies went in, they were very positive. And they said, oh, no, we can go in. God has given us this land. And therefore, Joshua and Caleb were the only ones of that age group that were allowed to enter in. All those, Scripture tells us, who were 20 years old, that's old enough to be in the military, according to Israeli law, and older, they would not enter in because they rebelled against God. Those younger weren't held responsible. You know, there's a verse of Scripture that says, uh, parents are not responsible for the sins of their children, and children are not responsible for the sins of their parents. And so these young people were allowed to enter in. But it's interesting that um, here they are back in Kadesh, 38 years later. In fact, if you um, like to write down verses of uh, Scripture, you might want to go to that part where it tells us that they came to the border of Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea, and that is where they sent the 10 spies in. So it's been 38 years, and now they're right back at the border of Cana again. And um, how horrible to realize, I would imagine, that you wasted 38 years. And by the way, that portion of Scripture is Numbers 13.26 that talks about them coming to the border of Kadesh the first time. That's when they sent the spies in. That's Numbers 13.26. And now it's 38 years later. And as I mentioned, it's so horrible to realize you've wasted your, t your life. You've wasted time, right? And I think a lot of us can empathize with that. I think there are times that we look and we say, oh, if I would have done this, if I would have done that. But the reality is, as long as we still have breath, we can be used of the Lord. Now, we must not waste any more of our time, our time wandering aimlessly. And we have to be willing to march as soldiers of Christ. Let's march as people with a purpose. Let's conquer our land, our promised land. And so we have a world around us that's filled with lost people. You might want to call them Canaanites. But the only difference is, is we don't have to go in and kill them. We need to go in and share Jesus Christ with them that they might become one of us. And so we have to march in confidently as soldiers of the cross to do the work God has called us to do. Because, uh, you know, it's so easy for us to look and, and see why this generation didn't enter in. But we need to ask ourselves, am I like that? Am I unwilling to march in? Am I unwilling to go into the land? Because you have to realize every one of us has a land to march into, whether it's work, whether it's school, whatever it might be that we're involved in, our, our recreational activities. We should be going in with the word of God. We should be going in with a desire in our heart to lead them to faith that they might be born again. Now, um, you think about as we mentioned, the time that they wasted. And uh, here they were, people that were given a purpose for God, and instead of just going in, God said, the land's yours. They became afraid of everything that was going on around them, and they, they backed off. And I wonder what victories we're often forfeiting by not marching ahead with the command God has given us. You know, it's easy to see why that generation didn't enter in. Those that rebelled against Moses and against God when they said we're not going to go into the land of Cana. And so those 20 years and older were condemned. It's easy to see why God uh, did condemn them and say you're not going to enter in. 
Because when they entered into the promised land, we're going to find as we continue on in Scripture, they faced battle after battle that God gives them the victory. Can you imagine going into those battles with all these whiners and complainers, all these, you know, fear mongers? So you can see why God had to dispose of them before they went in so that they would go in with confidence. And um, <clears throat> here they are complaining, oh, you know, wish we're back in Egypt. I don't know about you. I never want to go back to my Egypt. There's never a time that I say, oh, I'd like to go back to those days before I was saved, you know, sitting by the flesh pots and eating the leeks. And there's never a time. I never would want to go back to those days before I knew Jesus Christ. And um, that's real encouragement it should be for each one of us to keep moving forward. All of us are simply pilgrims passing through this life. And um, we're not going to be here permanently, none of us. To be absent from this body is, is to be present with the Lord. You and I are moving on to really a better and a higher place. We have a promised land that God has given us, that when we leave this body, we're going to be with the Lord. And if we're alive to the coming of the Lord, our bodies are going to be glorified and we're going to meet him in the air. So we have a win-win situation. If we die, we're with the Lord and if we're alive when the Lord comes, we're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be with the Lord. Have you ever noticed that every time that people complained, like in this portion here, the glory of the Lord appeared? Isn't that interesting? People complained, the glory of the Lord appeared. And every time we complain, we have to understand, just like with them, when we complain, we're accusing God. You might be thinking, well, what do you mean by that? If we're complaining about our circumstance, complaining about anything... We're accusing God of not being in charge, of not caring about us, of not watching over us. He does. And for us to be fearful of any of these things that are going on, you know, even like this whole virus situation and, and, and just the way not only our nation, our world has become, brothers and sisters, we have no fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And what is that perfect, that agapios love? It's the love God has for us. It's not our love. Well, I love God so much, I have no fear. No, God loves us so much, we have no fear. What do we have to fear if we belong to the Lord? And um, the Lord is always present to defend his holiness and to defend his people. In Corinthians, it tells us he always leads us in victory, in triumphant procession. Always. And it might not seem that way at the time. I mean, sometimes the battles are raging and there seems to be those that are wounded and, and maybe we're wounded and, and a lot of different you know, difficulties are going on. But if we continue marching with the Lord, we will have the victory. He leads us in triumphant procession. Now, they're complaining. Their unbelief caused Moses to become angry. And the thing is, uh, we have to remember is anger is never of God. Righteous indignation. Well, there might be some righteous indignation, but anger is never of the Lord. Moses was angry. It tells us he was angry with the people. But in James chapter 1 and verses 19 through 20, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. I have a hard time with that. Slow to wrath, others have a hard time with that, and uh, uh, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we have to understand, 
if we become angry, it will never produce the righteousness of God. And people talk about righteous indignation. Well, there might be some real, and there might really be some form of righteous indignation, but I think most times when people are claiming righteous indignation, they're just angry. They're just mad at people. And they try to sanctify it and put some kind of a, a holy attitude towards it. Well, for me, it's just righteous indignation why I hate them and why I wish they were dead. You know, it's never, never, never of the Lord. Now, we have to remember, God instructed Moses simply to speak to the rock. And we're going to find his great significance in that in just a moment. And um, he said, just speak to the rock. But the reality is, he was angry. And in his anger, he struck the rock with the rod twice. But the reality is, in Ephesians, for instance, chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So this portion of Scripture in Ephesians here, which is what the women's Bible study does on Tuesday, that's the portion they're covering is Ephesians, it's making it very clear that we can't allow the devil to have a foothold. Anytime we become angry, anytime we become frustrated, it gives the devil a foothold. You know, and if you really think about it, I've never done, well, I shouldn't say I never have, but I, I, I can't remember doing stupid, ungodly things when I'm just, man, I just have peace with the Lord and I'm in the Word, you know. And I, you know, I think I'll just do something horrible. No, it's usually when we're angry about something. We're angry about life. We're angry about the way things aren't working out. We're, you know, and, and then you just lose, lose it. And it's never of God. And it never has any kind of a positive benefit. And so it's important for us to really put our peace in the Lord. Because Moses didn't do that. He was angry here. And because the Lord specifically Moses, uh, instructed Moses to speak to the rock, and he didn't, it caused great consequences to come upon Moses and Aaron. Because what they were doing is they said, when they were angry with the people, and they said, must we bring water out of this rock? God intended for his name to be hallowed. In fact, it's interesting, if you love going on YouTube, and we're in that part of uh, the Middle East a few times in our, in our uh, visits to Israel, and there is a huge rock in Kadesh, that has a huge split in it. And the split in it looks like water came from it. Whether that is the actual rock, I don't know. But there was a rock that water you know, spurted out of. And you have to realize, you're talking about an assembly of over 2 million people. So you're not talking about a rock opening up and a little trickle coming out and having a little pond. It would have gushed out and it would have made a river to go through the camp of Israel in order for that many people to quench their thirst. You're talking about, you know, over two million people. So this was quite an amazing miracle when the, when the water gushed out. And um, in Exodus 17, uh, we find that, you see, the rock was already struck once. If we go back to Exodus chapter 17, there was another time that God told Moses to strike the rock. He did tell him to strike the rock, and the water gushed out. And so maybe Moses thought he needed to strike the rock again, 
But it wasn't God's will because he said to him, just simply speak to the rock. And you know, I think there's something very interesting that can be pulled out of this. And, um, and that is this. Jesus, who is the rock, remember at the very beginning we said that rock that followed them in the desert was Jesus Christ. And he's the one who provided water, the water of life for them. Without water, you're not going to live longer than three days. He provided the water of life for them. And think about this. Jesus was struck for our transgressions and sin. He died on the cross how many times? Once. He died once and for all. And so we cannot put Jesus to a public shame of crucifying him over and over and over again. He already died once for us. And when you committed your life to Jesus Christ, you were born again in the Spirit, and you accepted that sacrifice, that one-time sacrifice for your sin. And so there's no need for you to be born again again as if you're lifting up Christ again to sacrifice for your sin. He sacrificed once and for all. All we need to do is speak to the rock, who is Jesus. God, forgive me, a sinner. I messed up. Forgive me. And he does. That's the love of Jesus Christ. Now, God rebukes Moses and Aaron in their unbelief, and this is very likely why uh, Moses and Aaron didn't enter into the promised land. But did you know this? This is a little trivia question for those of you that like Bible trivia. There was a time that Moses did appear in the promised land. Do you remember when that was? The Mount of Transfiguration. And remember, Jesus appeared, and then Moses and Elijah with him, and the Mount of Transfiguration. So Moses did have a time <laughs> that he um, entered into the land. I thought that was interesting. Now, for you and I, Canaan is not just an illusion, but Canaan is a world, a hostile world that we're to live and operate in for the purposes of Christ. Because you and I will have a victory in Jesus Christ, which is called heaven. And so as we pass through this world, this Cana that God has called us to, is for the purpose of conquering Cana, not militarily, but spiritually. Taking the word of God to the lost around us. And you have to remember that it was lack of faith that kept those 20 and, and uh, older from entering into the land. So at this time that this occurrence uh, uh, took place, all those that were 58 and above died. They never entered in. 58 and above. And so you and I have to remember that God has given us promises too. And we're not to go out and fight military battles, but we're to take, you know, the word of God to this lost world. And um, that post that my nephew put on um, Facebook really got me because I read it at the beginning, and that is that it's not dying of COVID virus that we should be frightened of. It's people dying without Christ. You think of how, oh, everybody is over, over this COVID virus, and we got to do this, and we got to do that, and then oh, we got to take this precaution and that precaution. If we had that same enthusiasm and passion for going out there, realizing that there are hundreds and thousands of people around us dying without Christ. Whoop, sorry, I got, I got all excited. But think about that. 
Oh, we might have up to 60,000 people in our country that die uh, of the COVID virus. Brothers and sisters, we have millions of people who die every day without Jesus Christ. And they're entering into a Christless eternity. They're not going to enter into the promised land, the promise of God. And so my encouragement to you um, as we end this portion is, number one, if you're not born again of the Spirit, if you don't belong to Jesus Christ, today is the day of your salvation. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Be born again of the Spirit. It's a free gift of God. Otherwise, we'd all be boasting about it. All we have to do is say, God, forgive me a sinner. Please come in and take over my life, and he will. And then after you're born again, you belong to Jesus. You're a Christ one, Christos. You're a Christ one. You belong to Christ. And because you belong to Christ, you have a commission, a commission that was given to us by Christ. Go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Then, lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. We have a commission. We have a commission, brothers and sisters, to go out into our Canaan and to share the gospel. And I think sometimes we're very lax on that. I think sometimes we're so consumed with our own life and our own concerns you know, that we're kind of like uh, Moses and Aaron are at this point. We're just angry at life <laughs> and not realizing that we have a responsibility. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and we thank you for your word and the truth that we find in it. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would use this portion to encourage us and to draw us ever closer to you because your name alone should be glorified and magnified. And we ask this all in Christ Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And God bless you, my friends.